and welcome to the podcast, Digging, Doubting, and Believing. My name is Lori, and I'm joined today with Tracy and Pastor Michelle. We'll be digging into our Bibles today and talking about how its words challenge us, inspire us, and help us to deepen our faith. And today we'll be digging into the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And this is a change because normally we talk about the gospel from... um, that's going to be used for our Sunday sermon. But for this summer, we are switching things up here at St. John. And I thought it would be maybe interesting to talk a little bit about that so that our listeners um, perhaps understand where we get the verses to base our sermons on. So usually we use the revised common lectionary. Correct? Correct. And then we are going to be using the narrative lectionary for the summer. And maybe, Pastor, you could tell us the difference. Yeah. Well, um, the revised common lectionary has been around for a long time. Uh, I just learned, actually, that it was uh, first published in 1992. And um, it's the one that most people who are part of a lectionary-based church would be familiar with. It's the first reading, and then you have the psalm, and then you have the second reading, and then you have the gospel reading. Um, And so that one has been used by many churches, uh, like I said, since 92. So for example, it would be used for in Protestant churches, perhaps Catholic churches, Methodist. Mm -hmm. Methodist would be Protestant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, yes. So it's, it's, it's used all across the board. And it comes from, actually, I mean, if you go to the Revised Common Lectionary, it comes from the Common Lectionary, which comes from a lectionary that was kind of the, the major shift that the Roman Catholic Church came up with the lectionary in the 60s, and so it's kind of developed from there. Um, so what we're going to do now is um, I decided for the summer we were going to experiment with the narrative lectionary. And the narrative lectionary is um, a cycle of readings that they go through, and they've got, I believe, four years. Um, and its purpose is to cut back on the number of readings, I think, that we have each weekend or each week we gather. Um, and also to go through the Bible in, in a more narrative form that it tells the story. So it starts at Genesis and then we move through the Bible as we go through the year. Um, the summer readings are different because they're not part of the, they, they come up with a series for the summer that it doesn't go with the, the normal readings. So beginning in September, they would start with the Genesis readings and go from there. Um, but for the summer, we have four weeks of Isaiah. And so today we're doing Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. And Tracy has it ready to read. I do. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, 
Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that has touched your lips, your guilt has departed, and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Well, we hardly ever hear of Isaiah. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that we are able to look at that. Yeah. But I will say it's a little more challenging for me. Me too. But it's been a good challenge. I found as I prepared for today that um, it was kind of uh, energizing to deal with readings that we've not dealt I with. I thought so, too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. It, it brought up a lot of questions for me, and I kind of went way off track. <laughs> well, what part of it challenged you that sent you down that search into that new Bible you have in front of you? It was one word, seraphs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we've talked about that in mm-hmm. a couple of our, or at least one of our other podcasts about the difference between seraphs and cherubim. And yes. Mm-hmm. So. And isn't the full word seraphim? Or is uh, that, that would be plural. plural. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they did say, you know, they say seraphs were right. in attendance above him. With I thought they were the seraphim. End. Yeah. So what about seraphs challenged you? Well, um, so what I started doing was reading some things about seraphs and came across a a link that went to a site that supposedly um, talked about seraphim. And let's see, it it was learnreligions.com. And part of it I agreed with, part of it I didn't but they mentioned several names of angels that I had never heard before. And so then I wanted to know, well, who are these angels? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So then I looked up those angel names and then found out that um, the one comes from third Enoch. And I thought, well, where's the book of Enoch? (laughs) You know, because I'd not, it's not even part of the Apocrypha, which is kind of extra big biblical writings that the Protestant church does not use, but the Catholic church does. And so it's not part of the Catholic church either. Um, It's the extra, extra biblical readings that um, has the book of Enoch. So then I started reading the book of Enoch. (laughs) So that's the hole I went into. And what did you find out? Seraph rabbit hole type. (laughs) Seraph hole. And what did you find out in that about the... Book of Enoch? Yeah. Or seraphim? (laughs) I, I didn't really find out a lot about the seraphim. I mean, we've talked about it before. They must have been pretty incredible creatures to see because they have eyes all over their body and then the six wings. And um, so I'm not sure I'd want to encounter one. Um, But the two angels that I, uh, that were in this article, um, oh, I don't have them in front of me. Metadon, Metatron and... um, well, I can't remember the names now. Um, so I looked them up. Seraphiel, that was it, Seraphiel. And uh, they're mentioned in the book of Enoch. So I was reading the book of Enoch, 
And that is a lot about uh, the angels who rebelled against God and fell to earth. And then we have the small snippets in, in Genesis of those angels had uh, intercourse with um, human women, and that's where giants came from, and then they were destroyed. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, you don't know that story. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, should I? <laughs> it's not part of the Revised Common Lectionary. No, say not. So anyway, that's in the book of Genesis, and so Enoch talks a lot about that and the fate of the angels who fell from heaven. And, you know, it's filled, so far the parts that I've read are filled with a lot of, and forever you shall be punished for blah, 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 and that's the book of Enoch. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. What, what religions keep that book in their Bibles? I don't know. I mean, I, they said that it was mentioned in the Talmud also, which is part of the Jewish writings. Um, the Book of Enoch is actually quoted a couple times in the New Testament, um, but it's just not been part of ours. I don't know who, who would use it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I never knew it existed. Yeah. All right. Well, Tracy, did you find anything that challenged you or inspired you? Well, I was just thinking about a little bit of history. So Isaiah, um, and I, I could be getting this wrong, but from what I understood from my Bible was that it was, it was written in like 740 B.C., at the end of, or where we are in the reading, was at the end of a lengthy era of prosperity. And King, and it said, and this question is very weird to me, King Uzziah um, contracted leprosy for flouting God's holiness. Mm -hmm. So that just made me really confused because... You just, I just don't think about God's going to do this mm -hmm. if I am defiant in some way. You know, I don't have that mindset that bad things or God is doing this. I think the Old Testament had a, has... They did not have a separation between, you know, disease and faith and state and you know we have little compartments in our understanding mm -hmm. of the world but for them it was all one and it was all divinely orchestrated and so you have in the old testament and in the new testament that's still around but um a god, it's kind of a pretty scary god <laughs> yeah, yeah so you can you know do good things and and you feel great and yeah and you do bad things bad things even one little bad thing you'd think oh my goodness you yeah well we what's going to come down I, on me yeah. well even isaiah though is a story about a community that isn't living in the right way correct correct mm -hmm. and um and isaiah pretty much takes that on himself correct when he says, woe is me, I live among yeah. unclean yes. people. Yes, he does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that he himself has lived that way. He's just taking the responsibility on for all of the other yeah. community, correct? And basically, 
you know, when we look at what the response was to Isaiah saying, woe is me, I live in, I am un unclean and so are the people I live with. Mm -hmm. The response, you know, God doesn't kill him. God doesn't make disease come upon him. Nobody, God the, the, the angels, him. but the angels bring that hot coal and touch yeah. his lips. Yes. But, but we don't even but, hear that that hurts. We just hear right. that it was touched. It was touched and yeah. that was, the cleanse, now he's qualified it. to proclaim the overruling grace of God mm -hmm. and the hope because his lips were touched. Yes. So your thoughts are that that didn't hurt him? Hot coals touching his lips? It didn't say he screamed. No. <laughs> but the Bible leaves out a lot of things. <laughs> and do. then we're supposed yeah. to figure that out. And I know that in one of the articles that I, that I read that Pastor had sent us, it, one of the questions was, what about the pain of that burn? Mm -hmm. You know, what do you think that was like? And what do we think that was like? So, yeah. Well, I don't know if it was an actual event or if it was symbolic or if, if Isaiah's in a vision. Um, he says he's in a vision, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we're just not... There's nothing here to say that that it was painful, but I don't know. I mean, I think repentance is painful, even if it's not physically painful. The act of repentance can be painful. Um, so where where does it say that this is a vision? At the kind of the heading of this section. Yeah. So not a actually of God in the temple. Oh, okay. Because at, in the reading that I have. In front of me, it doesn't say that. Mm -hmm. It says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, which mm -hmm. doesn't seem like a vision. Mm -hmm. But, <clears throat> and then it did, um, some of the readings did talk about other people that have actually, because a lot of times if they saw God, then they would die, right? Mm -hmm. But there ha were incidents like Isaiah where he was able to see God and survive. Mm -hmm. Well, and Moses, and, um, you know, in Moses, with Mo the Moses story, it talks about you cannot look upon my face, and so God shielded Moses with his hand as he passed by. And so Moses saw the Lord, but not fully, or the glory of God would have killed him. And so I, I don't know, how, what did he see? He talks about the hem of his robe, so maybe that was the extent of... It filled the temple. Yeah. Okay. I thought this section of scripture had a lot of references to liturgy that we do in church or songs. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought of Open the Eyes of My Heart yep. um, by holy, Michael holy, W. Holy. Smith, High and Lifted Up. Mm -hmm. And Isaiah says High and Lifted Up several times. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and as I was just reading, there were other ones that I thought, oh, we say that in church or we sing that in church. Whom shall I send? That was mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what I like about it is that, you know, Isaiah confesses to the Lord his uncleanness, and God doesn't kill him. God doesn't send disease. God forgives him and cleanses him and then says, I'm going to send, or I, I have a job for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I kind of like that, that, that God does that yeah. here. 
And God says, I thought this was interesting too, the word us. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who Whom shall I us? send and who will go for us? So he's referencing the Trinity, I believe, even though Jesus hasn't been sent yet. But like in the book of John, Jesus, Jesus was there, there from creation. the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is referenced, mm-hmm. you know, from Genesis. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, going off of the lectionary that we're used to has really opened up a whole new world. <laughs> I mean, it makes me realize how much of a lot of the Bible I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't know it, oh, boy, we sure <laughs> we don't really know. don't know it. <laughs> well, this will be good for us, I hope. Yeah. yeah. My Bible said something about I wanted to go back to the seraphs because it. I was looking them up too in my study Bible, and it talked about them covering up. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. that covering up the is face. is that sense of humble, mm-hmm. being humbled. Yeah. Well, so and the seraphim, I was read too that they were the ones that were closest to God, that they're the ones that are actually serving God and praising God continually. And so I wonder again if that covering the face with that they can't look at the full glory of God without death, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. This is all very new to me. (laughs) Well, one thing I came across, too, that kind of gave me pause was um, one of the... uh, It's Faith at Home Narrative Lectionary Edition is a Bible study that somebody had put out, and uh, it summarized the book of Isaiah... And it said Isaiah 3, the chapter 3, is about God taking everything away from uh, Judah and Jerusalem, everything they depended on, food and water and uh, heroes, soldiers, etc. And it says, the people will turn against each other. Young people will not respect those who are older. The common people will not respect important leaders. And I thought, ugh. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> that I thought, hmm. Living Bible right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't know, many generations could say the same thing, but I mean, a lot of that is going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It also said in some of the literature that Isaiah is considered to be the fifth gospel. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Because it has so many um, references in it that we have applied to Jesus, so many predictions of the Messiah of Jesus. Yeah. So that's, we, when we deal with the book of Isaiah in the Revised Common Lectionary, it's usually because it, it's a reference to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the suffering servant, the, yeah. Yeah, I think the part that, you know, the, of course, and the, probably the easiest part to talk about is here am I, send me, and, you know, just reminds me that, that is really what I should be saying more often because mm-hmm. I think that oftentimes I find reasons that I shouldn't be, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you hear a call and, and I feel like, oh, but I'm really busy and I have this and I think we all do that. And mm-hmm. then, you know, really just here am I, send me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, reminds me that maybe I should be doing that more often, so... Well, and what's 
with that repentance too that I thought about where he's cleansed, he no longer has an excuse anymore not right. to go. Mm -hmm. yep. He's given that to God. So His excuse was that he wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Right. Which I often say, mm -hmm. you know, like when you challenge us to write a sermon, I'll say, well, I'm not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Woe is me. Well, I think we just need to come up with a new phrase to call that. It's not writing a sermon, it's thinking about the text. <laughs> right. There you go. I just thought it was really interesting, too, that even though God has forgiven him or cleansed him from his sin, God is still saying, whom shall I send for us? Why is he even asking the question? Well, God Just will never give, force us, I think. To give Isaiah a chance to step up to the plate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, God does kind of force some of them, like Jeremiah was a reluctant prophet, but <laughs> maybe it's not so much force, but yeah. Yeah, but I think it is so that it can be it can be volunteered. I mean, we have to cooperate with God's call or ignore it. Um, seems those are our two choices. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure that you have heard words and parts of the Bible that perhaps you haven't heard before, and we hope you're challenged to look those up. We thank you for joining us today. This podcast comes to you from St. John Lutheran Church located in Alma, Wisconsin. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and join us next time for Digging, Doubting, and Believing.